Makers of Sport Podcast, Episode 37, with Matt Lang. to episode 37 of the Makers of Sport podcast. I'm your host, Adam Martin, at T. Adam Martin on Twitter. Today on the show, I'm happy to welcome Matt Lang. Matt is the director of football creative at the University of Alabama, where he executes design and creative direction on various football and other marketing materials. He also focuses on shooting video, photography, and creative editing. And in his spare time, he designs for Panini America, a trading card and memorabilia company based out of Texas. Welcome to the show, Matt. I appreciate you taking the time to come aboard. I know the grind of in-house athletic departments can leave you with little free time. Yeah, just a little bit. How are we doing? Good, man. Good. So I gave a a bit of a brief introduction to you there, uh, but I'd like to go a little bit more in depth on and let you sort of tell your story. Can you give us a little bit more about your background and your path sort of leading up to where you are today? Yeah. um, Well, I have my my degrees in graphic design from Louisiana Tech and uh, actually got my start in football. It's kind of funny. I'm I'm full circle now back working for a football team, but I started off as the the video coordinator for the Louisiana Tech football team in 2004. And then uh, about 2005, I kind of hopped out of athletics for a little bit and I went to what I call the real world corporate America um, wasn't really feeling it. In about 2008, I kind of started getting my feet wet back into it. And in between, I'd sort of taught myself video editing, video uh, motion graphics, photography, a little bit more design, kind of everything. And then, um, so in 2009, I got a job at a, um, an agency in Baton Rouge, Louisiana. And one of my tasks was to go photograph the then New Orleans Hornets for an ad campaign and I went and shot the game and um, had sports was, I mean, it was right back in my veins. Um, I, I knew that's what I wanted to do. Uh, worked a little bit more there. Then I decided I was just gonna be photography full-time. I was gonna shoot sports. That's all I was gonna do. Um, and so the path was photo in my head at that moment. And then I got a call from a past employer to actually go back up to North Louisiana and. Uh, one thing led to another, and I started doing creative work again for Louisiana Tech and uh, print design and photo and video. And then um, in 2010, I was doing the design for Louisiana Tech. And then toward the end of 2010, I got laid off from the agency I was working for. And I kind of had this opportunity to sink or swim at that point, And I decided that uh, I was, I was going to do sports. That's all I was going to do. I was just going to it was either going to be that or nothing. And uh, I basically spent an entire year kind of honing my craft a little bit. I, I, I guess I got okay. I didn't think I was really doing that good at it, but I, I was doing everything. I got, I got good enough at, uh, you know, photo and video motion graphics and all that stuff. And I had some pretty decent sports clients at the time. I was doing a lot of work for Pepperdine was probably my biggest client, a uh, little school out in Malibu, but I mean, they were awesome and I did a bunch of stuff for them. They 
I kind of attribute a lot of where I'm at now because they gave me a shot. But, you know, kind of a funny story is towards the end of 2011, I guess, because I spent all of 2011 working for myself. Um, previously, I, I had made a connection with Scott Kelby. Um, some people may know him from, you know, Photoshop World and his, his Photoshop and uh, Adobe training books. And what had happened was a while back, he had, he had held a contest to have a photographer come shoot with him on the sideline of what I believe is a Florida State game. And it was one of those kind of, if you want to break into sports, it's sort of a dream opportunity thing, and all these people applied. Yeah. This guy won. I had never heard of Scott at the time. I didn't hear about the guy. And then uh, Donald Page, who was, he's now the, the athletic photographer at Tennessee, called me and was like, hey, I need you to read this blog post. And basically, this guy had won, and all the staff photographers sort of kind of threw a fit and they basically blocked this guy from coming to shoot this game. You know, they thought that he was going to take work from him, basically, just because oh, crazy. he was there. It's a pretty cutthroat world, you know, and it's understandable. Yeah. You know, it's, it's hard to, to make right. a buck. So I read it, and I was kind of like, well, you know, that, that sucks for that guy. So I reached out to Scott. And I've never <laughs> met him. And, find the opportunity right there. Yeah, and this is back in, the, in about 08 again. And uh, I never met the guy. Never met Scott, and I reached out and I said, "Hey, I've got some connections at Louisiana Tech. If you know this guy wants to shoot, I know it's not Florida State, but it's football, and we can get him a sideline pass." Well, turns out the guy got a pass to go shoot the Chicago Bears. So I think he, uh, I think nice. he did all right. But uh, Scott called. Yeah. And he was like, "Hey, I want to thank you for doing that. I'll come shoot with you." And so he did, and you know we hit it off. So throughout the years, you know, Scott and I would talk and. And he featured me on this 30-minute video he's got called The Grid. He does every week. And at the mm -hmm. end, he sort of plugged my website. And it was probably 15 seconds long. But it was at the end of this 30-minute yeah. show. And uh, I know I'm dragging on here. But uh, sometime in 2011, I got an email from Mike Benford at the, the Atlanta Falcons. And he uh -huh. said, uh, hey, I saw your work on Scott Kelby's The Grid. Now, in order for him to see that, you know, he's got to watch 30 minutes of this video and right. see this, so he's a Kelby this little fan, plug sure. at the very end. Yeah. And uh, so he he called or he emailed me asking, you know, how I got my images to look the way they did in the Superdome. I mean, I kind of ran through that and we stayed in touch. And then uh, he came down to shoot a Saints game on Christmas Eve in 2011 with Scott. And, uh, you know, I kind of told him, I was like, hey, I'm working for myself. If you guys need anything, you know, let me know. And then about... February, I guess, Mike popped up on Facebook and was basically like, hey, you want a job? <laughs> <laughs> nice. So, uh, you know, I went from 2000, I guess, the end of 2010, you know, we thought everything was steady and everything was going great to one day, I mean, just out of the blue, which I still don't, you know, really know why, you know, I had nothing. And so I just kind of decided that this is what I wanted to do. And then I just stuck with it and I had an intern <laughs> You know, she worked for free, and we'd we'd grind it out, and then she, I'd make her play basketball with me in the driveway <laughs> at lunch. And uh, I still joke that like our best times were, you know, when we did like a free video for LSU or something like that at the time, and we thought we made it. Yeah. <laughs> and then, uh, you know, it's funny, man. I've been following. We've been following each other, I think, for a while. I, I remember some of this stuff now that yeah. you're bringing it up. Oh yeah, I followed you on I Twitter. Basketball. Back then, too. I feel like you sort of. 
Yeah, I think you sort of like kind of poked some fun with the whole basketball stuff. I feel like I remember those tweets. <laughs> yeah, yeah. With the intern. And then, uh, yeah, so like I said, we got I got a call from uh, Mike Benford, and he asked if I wanted it you know, a job out there. And it was, I was shocked, you know, I couldn't believe it is working from the front bedroom in Ruston, Louisiana to, you know, the NFL. Of course I agreed to it. And, you know, I knew that it would be kind of a life-changing experience. And uh, we went out to Atlanta for two seasons and, you know, then it, it got me here to Alabama. And uh, that's awesome, man. Yeah, here I am. Well, it, it's, it goes to show that uh, I, I think what's cool about it is and what's sort of going to help other people that maybe listen to this that are younger or or that type of thing is you got laid off, right, from the agency. And then yeah. it was like you had, to, you had to bounce back, you know. And so that was when you sort of started freelancing full-time because you basically had no choice, right? Yeah. We were, I mean, we were in a small town and my wife was a teacher there and – you know, there were, I think there were two. I, I got an email once while I was there, and I worked for one agency, and there was one other agency. And uh, I sent them an email and was like, "Hey, you know, I got let go from this place. I don't have any work. You know, do you guys have anything?" And they literally said, "Because you worked at the other place, you can't work at this place." Oh, and that's so, brutal, man. Uh, it was kind of all we could do. You know, all I could do to kind of scrape money together. I had a little part-time job at a t-shirt place for a few months, but then it got to the point where the the freelance was demanding so much time that I couldn't, you mm -hmm. know, do the. I guess it was a full-time ish kind of t-shirt job, so I had to quit. I think I made, I think I made eleven thousand dollars total that year before taxes. Just on yeah. my, I mean, maybe. Uh, so, you know, everything was a real tight budget, but, you know, we figured it out. It was a great time. It was a stressful time, but, I mean, it was. Yeah, I know, like, my first year freelance, and I think I made, I'm trying to think. I, I said it in episode 25. I can't remember. I, I want to say it was, like, $14,000 or something. Yeah. I mean, it was, like, poverty-stricken. Right? But it was. <laughs> Luckily, I wasn't married. So, <laughs> it was, you know, it was. Yeah. I was I, my dating my now wife, but I, I didn't have to, like, you know, support and put food on two people's tables. <laughs> well, she supported me, you know, so I thank her for that. But it was, yeah. it was, uh, you know, it was just a time where it was like, okay, well, you know, what are you going to do? You know, I didn't want to really do bank brochures and stuff like that. And I, you know, I'm not, I'm not knocking it. I did, I did some work for some friends and some other stuff, but I knew that that was going to be a turning point. Like, you know, this is what I want to do. Uh, it's yeah. something I enjoy. It's something I think that I, I can probably enjoy doing all the time. And I just really stuck to it. And I don't even, you know, the work, like I said, it, it was okay. But uh, just trying to get in there and, and get something that I could be proud of and get it out to these schools and get right. some exposure. I probably burned Twitter up that year, you know, just get, trying to get my name out <laughs> as much as I could. But uh, I guess it worked, yeah. you know. Yeah, that's awesome, man. Well, I, I, I can definitely empathize with a little bit of that story because when when I worked, when I left school and I got lucky to get the job at at basically IMG College, uh, which was called Host Communications at the time. Mm -hmm. And I got burnt out on the sports stuff and I wanted to do more corporate stuff. But then when I started, then when I quit and started doing the corporate stuff, it was like, man, I miss sports. Yep. Like this is, this is the world that I exist in and love so much. And so it's, it's, it's always awesome to kind of hear people that, that knew that they wanted to do that and then sort of really pushed right into, into that world. So that's a, that's a cool story. Yeah. So you, uh, you, you you said that you wanted to be a photographer mm -hmm. full-time for a while and then kind of made your way back into design. And now you're doing a little bit of everything. Um, yeah. 
uh, what 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 sort of pushed you into photography? Like, did was it were there photo classes at, in school that you took, or that type of thing, or was it the work that you were doing for the for the local football team? No, um, I've always been kind of drawn to it. I mean, yeah, even as a kid, like just with little cameras or whatever, I would just photograph everything. Uh, there's boxes at my mom's house. I mean, they're terrible photos, but it's just hundreds and hundreds of photos. <laughs> and um, yeah, I just it was always there. I always did it. I was actually a business major at Louisiana Tech first, and I just got bored. And um, I went to art, and somebody, I didn't even know what graphic design was. Somebody said, yeah, you should do graphic design. I said, what is that? And they said, oh, they make CD covers. And so I was like, oh, <laughs> yeah. I'm in. I'm yeah. going to go make some CD covers. <laughs> but at the same time, I kind of, uh, I took some film development classes and some black and white photography, and I shot for the yearbook, and then... Uh, like I said, my first job was as the video coordinator at Louisiana Tech. So there's always been a camera kind of there. And then, yeah. um, I don't know, further along in the 2000s, I kind of discovered like Scott Kelby and Chase Jarvis and Jeremy Cowart and these guys. And I just kind of fell in love with it. Just kind of started playing with some lighting. And the thing that's crazy is like Ruston, Louisiana is like this this weird little hotbed of like really, really good photographers. Um, really? Yeah. Like I my my buddy Henry down there, he runs a uh, just an art store now, but he's one of the you know better photographers I know. Kind of taught me all about lighting, and then Kelly Moore is one of the like elite photographers. There is uh, she has a workshop that she used to do for you know photographers could come out for the weekend and do this stuff. But it's just amazing photographers out of there. So it was just kind of one of those things like I'm just trying to keep up, but I was in love with it. So. That's I just awesome. kind of decided, and then you know, it got me close. When I, like I said, with the Hornets game, it got me close. I was right there. It's Chris Paul, and you know these guys, and kind of the guys that you hold up on the pedestal is sort of my first, first time, my first taste of just being right in the action. And I was just like, oh, you know, here I am. They, these guys are feet from me. I, I, this is where I want to be. So it just kind of fueled it all. It was a fascination of lighting and composition and all this stuff, plus you know the thrill of being right there with the action. So. That's awesome. Well, you bring up CD covers, so I have to ask. We we sort of <laughs> had a conversation a couple of weeks ago on Twitter, uh, reminiscing about the good old days of Southern hip hop, oh, including yeah. No Limit Records. <laughs> no Limit Records. <laughs> Absolutely, you're a South Louisiana boy, so I know you're you're a, a big hip hop fan, and big want, want to kind of talk chat a little bit about that. How how did No Limit Records like maybe sort of influence what you're doing today, as far as like your career is concerned? Oh, uh, man, it's. I, you know, I guess it, it did. I didn't really think about it, you know, until you and I started talking about it on Twitter. But, uh, you know, I was, I think I was, uh, I was always a big hip hop guy. And then, um, I don't know, I think sophomore year, this guy, Master P, showed up and he was from our state, you know, and we listened to his music and we, uh, it was always like, who had the new, because at the time it was CDs. You had to actually have a CD, CD burners weren't even in. So, uh, right. you know, whoever had was lucky enough to have the CD would bring it to school. And it was amazing because it was the first time, um, you know, even like the cash money stuff. You had the, the guy and he'd be in the mansion and you have like, you know, piles of money behind him. And like a Hummer was on the side. And I was like, this is crazy that they could, you know, put all this stuff together on a uh, yeah on a cover. And I mean, that was what, like three or four years worth of album covers. And they, they were putting out albums constantly. So it was always like, you know, what is the this new look going to be and then inside the book they had the other uh the other coming soon album covers and i was just fascinated with it and just 
you know, it was kind of like the hip hop draw, of course, but just it was a, it was a new look and it was, everything was, you know, heavy Photoshop from uh, yeah. <laughs> Pin and Pixel. Was it out in Houston? Yeah, and it was almost gaudy. You it, know, it well, was like... yeah, looking at it now, it was gaudy, but <laughs> I mean, back then it was like, whoa, you know, yeah. look at that. There's fire, and he's shooting fire out of his eyes or whatever, and. uh and so, you had the plastic covers with the color, solid color. Yeah, that like was the, the out the edge. It had the sticker on it. It wasn't a book inside it. Or it had a book, but the the cover wasn't the uh, the booklet cover. It was actually a sticker on the outside. Yeah. So um, <laughs> it, it was kind of that's it's interesting you say that. I didn't even think about it because I mean I guess that was the first time too where you, you kind of hold the packaging in your hand. And I guess the inner designer in me hadn't come out yet, but you know, you hold the book and you're looking at the sticker and you're looking at the ridges on the spine, which you haven't seen before, you know, and it's like, this is a unique right. way of doing all this. So yeah, I guess looking back now, it really was kind of this, you know, this design fascination I had with it. Yeah, it's funny because it's like at the time, you know, yourself and and myself and probably all of us that are around our age, like we weren't we didn't know what graphic design was. We didn't know what this, what this stuff was, but there were, I, I did know, we didn't know art, right? Like I liked art. Sure, I thought yeah. art was cool and that type of thing. But you know, it's like, you look at that and and now you realize that in, in a weird way, it does kind of affect your career because it, for me, it's probably the first time that I, other than seeing like sports logos and stuff, but it was the first time that I really like remember graphic design, like that I can go back and think about, right? That sort of like, yeah, it sticks in my head. Like it's it's even today. Yeah, I know? would say that um, that and kind of when I was a kid, uh, baseball cards. You know, not so much when I was yeah. younger, but you know, when I was probably around like nine or ten, they started producing the uh, kind of hollow foil on the print and uh, foil as far as like embossing on the letters and stuff like that too. So I guess it's kind of you know I've always sort of noticed it like that. But right. you know, those yeah. kind of two things. Did you watch? Did you get a chance uh, to watch that documentary on Pen and Pixel? Absolutely, it was like an Adobe did. documentary. I really <laughs> so, did. I so watched awesome. it, and I was I was shocked when I saw the guy. I was like, "No way, this is the guy." Dude, same, say, exact same way. I was like, "That's the guy that did all this stuff." Yeah, but I mean, it's, it's amazing. Like, it's, it's like a, a, a just like this white Italian dude who's like yeah. almost kind of nerdy. But uh, <laughs> it's amazing, though. I mean, that guy. If you think about it, he for a long time was like he was a pioneer, and and he shape the way music looked at the time there wasn't really no internet and so you know you were you were sort of limited to what was hanging up in the music store and what you could hold in your hand and then you know for in the south at least uh yeah most yeah, of what totally, you saw man. was that guy's work so i mean hats off to absolutely them. yeah i mean if you think about a to sort of like tie it in together with some of the stuff that we do i mean if you think about a guy like uh like maybe Todd Radom, who has like this specific style mm -hmm. and sort of really affects like the look of of baseball, you know. And it's like here's a guy who did that same thing, but in in hip hop music, southern hip hop music, which is right. really cool. Yep. Um, so you mentioned you, you you were kind of learning and and that type of thing during your freelance years, trying to get better. And and I remember you. I remember you using sites like Dribble and seeing you do some really different stuff and kind of almost like it was an exper experiential time for your work. Mm -hmm. So I'm curious, can you sort of elaborate on personal work and maybe how it just helps us get better and what's the importance of personal work to your career? Because you still do a little bit of it today, right? Yeah, if and when I have time. Um, yeah. <laughs> I think personal work is crucial. Uh, you know, you've got to be able, if, if 
you know, you got to get in there and you got to play with ideas and things like that. But, you know, it also goes back to you got to get your name out there. So, like you said, my dribble and, and my website for a long time was kind of just a hodgepodge. Even now, I don't really have a style. But, I mean, it was just all over the board trying to just find something that works. And so, you know, you got to be able to to sit there and, and, and play and put stuff out. You know, okay, I put it out there. What's the reaction? Is anybody – do people like this? You know, and um, – I think when you say, do people like this, it's kind of a pretty good gauge of, you know, is an employer going to like this or uh, would a client like it, you know? And so you kind of start, and you start learning, you know, techniques and things like that too. But uh, it's just really good practice and it's really great for exposure. Um, I'm kind of one of those, you know, you don't need to do free work for people. You know, your work is free when you do it for yourself and it it gets you the, almost the exact same exposure. Because the chances right, of you doing a free job for you know one of those, you could get great exposure from doing our yeah. uh, whatever. <laughs> yeah. You know, first yeah. you have to win that, and then you know you, people have to actually see you get the plug on that. You know, right for sure, man. And, and I totally, I, I totally subscribe to that exact same theory. Yeah, I mean, it's like I would rather spend my free time doing something that I want to do for myself as far as the project is than doing like somebody else's project <laughs> right. for free. And and you know, so I would do you know like favorite team stuff. I did a lot of Saints stuff back then. Uh, I grew up in Baton Rouge, so I did a lot of LSU work just to, just because I thought it was fun to kind of make my work was for something that I wanted it to be for. And I was in total control, you know? Um, right. So, but yeah, like I said, you're able to put it out there and engage feedback and see it. And then, uh, you know, when you work for yourself, it's kind of the, kind of the same thing. Um, I did a lot of, a lot of personal work at the same time just to, I guess to make it look like I had more clients than I really had, but uh, right, right, but right. It, it just floods, flooded the market really as much as I yeah. possibly could. But it was also kind yeah. of one of those. I also practiced the, you know, if I find somebody's work that I'm like, oh wow, that's that's really great. I want to, you know, learn how they, you know, got the smoke off his shoulders or something. Uh, right. I would always do it and then kind of put it side by side. And I, I kind of tell people when I'm training them or whatever. Now I'm like, if you can take something professional that you found online and put yours next to it. If yours, if you can look at it and you can tell, and if, A, if it's not yeah. the same, then you need to keep working on it. And then B, if you can't tell, then, you know, you need to get back to square one and, and start learning what, you know, good stuff really is and how to be able to tell if you're, if you're you know, polishing your work or not. Right. And it's one of those things too with Photoshop and especially with sports stuff is that things can get really muddy it's with like blending colors together and that type of thing. And it's yeah. almost like you have to make really subtle little like uh, high contrast changes mm-hmm. to make things look believable, you right. know, as opposed to like everything just like this wash. Right. And I ca- you see, tend to see a lot of. Yeah. And I kind of go back to, you know, you asked about the photo thing. And uh, there a lot of the times when I approach uh, a composition, I'm, I'm really big into composite stuff right now. Uh, that's kind of mm-hmm. just my, my thing. I hope it doesn't change because I love doing it. But, uh, you know, I always look for composition, which is, you know, what every designer looks for. But also, I'm, I'm real crazy about, like, realistic lighting and uh, right. depth of field. Like, I'm lately, I've been really getting in there and, like, okay, if the camera shoots from this angle, I know this isn't a photo, but what's the fall off from, like, the foreground to the background? Like, how far should I pull the focus in the background? So, I'm, in, I'm really into, like, putting bokeh into the background. And if it's a subject that's kind of turned a little bit to, I don't know, his left, 
you know, how, how blurry should I make his back shoulder? Like, I want it to be believable. Even though at, in the end it's surreal, and that's the point. Right. I want right. it to still be like, okay, that's a believable surreal. I don't want to just yeah. you know, throw a stadium in there and throw a player on top and you know, put some fire on him and all that stuff. And you can do that, and I, I do do that, but I, I want it to, to match. I want it to feel like it's a scene when you do it. Yeah, yeah, and and I think you can you can tell. I mean, I, when you when you do some of your work, like you can tell that you have like a uh, an understanding of photography, and I think you can always tell when people don't have an understanding of photography. Uh, you know, an example is Matt Hernandez, a buddy of mine, who's episode one. I mean, he he started as a designer and then became a photographer, and now mm-hmm. he sort of circled back around doing composites. And I know that just his understanding of photography. Um, and depth of field and those types of things that you just mentioned are, are huge for, for that type of thing. Yeah, did the you two cross, absolutely go hand in hand. Yeah. I'm curious, did you cross paths with uh, Jason Fearman at LSU? I did. I did really early. That's cool. And, um, back when I was, you know, working for myself, and uh, he's uh, one of the first people to come up to me at an LSU game, you know, introduce himself, and he came. I was like, hey, Matt, and I looked at him, I'm like, who are you? Uh, and it was Jason. You just, you just recognize his logo, right? He just has like a black and white look on his Twitter avatar. Yeah, you don't look anything like that, JF. Uh, <laughs> yeah, but we've been and and we kind of we kind of are still in touch now. He he's gone from LSU and he's busy, but uh, every once in a while right. we'll, we'll talk a little bit. But uh, he actually, yeah, he reached out whenever um, I was transitioning from uh, Atlanta to Alabama. So yeah, we go. That's awesome. We go back to I guess four or five years now. Yeah. It's crazy how you see how small this world really is once you start getting into chatting with people and that type of thing, which is which is why I always push so hard in, in this show and when I'm talking to kids or, or anybody that's kind of wanting to get into this, the whole relationship aspect, like, you know, try not to burn bridges if you can. And, you know, it's okay to have opinions and, and that type of thing. Don't be like, yes, people and, and that type of thing. But you know, try to be respectful and, and all that. Yeah. So that's, I'm a, that's cool that, that you guys cross paths. Yeah, I'm a big believer in, um, you know, if you do if you do right, then, you know, right will come to you. And I've had people that, you know, applied for a job or something with me at one point and weren't able to get it, but I was so impressed with them, you know. I passed them off to uh, another team that I knew was looking and actually placed the call. And I was like, hey, I don't even know this guy really, but his work is good. He impressed me on the phone. You really need to give him a shot. You know, they landed. But uh, yeah, I mean, it's a small circle. You never know who who these people know, really, because, I mean, it's growing right now, but it's still relatively minute as far as full-time creative people on teams go. Right, especially when you go like a little bit deeper of a dive into the niche where you have like the people that work in pro sports and then the people that work in college sports because mm-hmm. kind of all at the same conferences and, and that type of thing. Right. How was your transition going from like kind of being your own boss as a freelancer to working for the Falcons? It was okay. Uh, when, I, when I left to be a freelancer, it wasn't on my own terms. So I didn't have right. that chance to be like, okay, here's what I'm going to do plan it out it was kind of like oh crap <laughs> it's it's go time so for a year <laughs> it was kind of like i you know it was me and my intern and i'd be like hey eve what do you think of this you know and that was really it so i was able to get back in there and kind of look back at my situation and go okay you know how can i approach this and then i got there with mike and it was it was really great that i could he gave me the freedom to do you know what i was good at and i was able to just, he was somebody that I could go to and be like, hey, I don't get this, and you're here, you're in person. And um, 
you know, and he was able to teach me. And so it was, it was, I was able to go from just kind of winging it to kind of going in there and having somebody that I could mentor me and teach me about, you know, being on a team and, and being in a, a sports environment. Because I had kind of been in the sports environment before, but obviously it wasn't the NFL. So, right. uh, you know, he was able to kind of teach me the ropes of how that goes. It, once I got, you know, past the starstruck part of, you know, seeing Matt Ryan and those guys daily, kind of being like, oh, my God, I'm, you know, I'm really in the NFL here. These, I'm around these superstars all day. Um, right. Once I got past that, you know, it was, it was great. Yeah. So when, when you sort of crossed over into enemy, enemy line, so to speak, going to work for uh, your, your sort of hometown team's rival in the <laughs> SEC West, <laughs> I'm curious about that. Was that sort of a move to kind of get back towards where closer to home? And obviously it's a great program to work for Alabama. I mean, who, who wouldn't want to do that? But, right. um, you know, what was it like putting on the crimson gear as opposed to <laughs> being the LSU guy in the, in the past? Well, it's funny you say that. I, I actually... I'm a huge Saints fan, and uh, the Falcons are the Saints' like bitter rivals. So uh, when I went yeah. to the Falcons, it, every, I had people like, "What you can't? Why are you doing that? You can't do that." <laughs> and it's like I'm yeah. not, I can't. <laughs> you don't understand. It's not that I'm doing it as a fan. I'm doing it as a job. And uh, yeah, <laughs> but I learned real quick. You know, once you get there and you're around the people, and they're they're the designers and the marketing team. They're your team, and you know you support the team and the team in return pays you, but what they're really doing right. is supporting you and your family and everything. You, you look at it totally different. So for, you know, two years I was, you know, Falcons number one fan. And then, uh, so when I came, you know, to Alabama, it was, you know, seamless. I I'd already had two years of being used to it. And surprisingly, yeah. um, you know, most of my friends were, they were, they didn't give me a hard time at all about it. I think, I think it's different. And uh, college football, it's a whole different kind of vibe. I think the respect is there. LSU right. fans respect Alabama. I think for the most part, Alabama fans respect LSU. And so uh, when I got here, people were like, okay, all right. <laughs> you know? Yeah. I yeah. understand. No, it's, I, I totally get that. And, you know, for me, I'm, I'm in Kentucky, obviously, and we don't, we don't have an NFL team. I mean, there's people on the western part of the state, the southwestern part of the state that are like Tennessee Titans fans. And then you got like – the northwestern part of the state, which are like St. Louis fans. And then like m the rest of the state tends to be Bengals fans because we were just like a Bengals TV market. But I never really had an NFL team, so it's almost hard for me to really understand the NFL and those crazy, crazy rivalries in the NFL. So for me, it's all about college football. And, and I totally get how there's like a respect where it's like, mm -hmm. okay, yeah, that makes sense. Like go work for Bama. I mean, you know, both both of these teams are are – basically usually 50 50 a lot of years it went in the west yeah i know it's been kind of different lately but that's cool yeah and we left i mean uh the falcons it was a great time for us there but you know alabama it was just closer to home a little bit it was a chance for me to kind of move i guess on top you know I, I had learned under mike over at the falcons for a few years and i just kind of felt like i was ready to sort of tackle no pun intended but uh kind of tackle my own thing. And um, it's a different beast. You know, pro sports is very sponsor-centric, and it's it's big, big money. Uh, uh, college is obviously big money, but, I mean, pro sports right. is all about getting the money. Um, you know, sponsorship and, you know, suit and tie and, and all that kind of stuff. And then, you you know, you, you kind of come back to amateurism when you get to college. It's kind of the, the fun of the game, and it's all about making it exciting and, you know, the pizzazz of – getting recruits excited and things like that. So it's kind of a different monster, but uh, 
that's kind of another thing that sort of enticed me to kind of come back to the college level. Right. And the, and the revenue streams are kind of different. I mean, you got mm-hmm. like, don't, it's still sponsorship heavy, but you got like donors and, and all these other sort of, uh, stakeholders to please, I would, I would assume in college compared to maybe the NFL. Right. And you've got directly related to the team. Yeah. And, and, you know, and, like Johnny sponsor that donates millions of dollars to the year. <laughs> yeah. And you know, that's, that's the marketing guys. Most of what I do is recruiting, um, for the high school kids, but you know, yeah, they, they have to appeal to all those guys too. And I guess you're dealing with generations of, uh, fans, you know, my great grandfather went here and my grandfather and my father, and now I'm here, you know? So yeah. it's like bloodlines yeah. almost in college. Right. Well, let's talk a little bit about uh, more about your role there. You mentioned recruiting, and I know you and Brian Gundel over at uh, University of Washington have similar positions mm-hmm. in that you both work specifically for football in terms of creative. Um, I'm curious, was this a position that had existed before, or is this kind of new? It seems like I've been noticing this a little bit more, and it seems like it's a new thing. Yeah, um, this position existed. I don't know how many years. Um, the guy that I replaced, uh, Buddy Overstreet, he he had been here for about ten years now. I don't know how long he did what you know I'm now doing, but like uh, just football, yeah. Well, it's it's just football, but you know it's it's the recruiting stuff too. Um, I think it's it's a growing. You kind of see it more and more in college football right now. Like I know myself and Brian, and then uh, Sammy Silverman at, at Ohio State. Uh, off the top of my head, are kind of three guys that are full time. Uh, you know, mm-hmm. Tony, Tony Turnquist at Minnesota, um, three or four guys that are full time. Now, I kind of see more and more this. This it's growing to the point where I think a lot of schools are going to start hiring uh, full time sort of recruiting designers. It's just the way it's going right now. Um, but you know, it, it's all about creating, you know, this energy for recruits that want to come play at Alabama and uh, be a part of, you know, the, what we've got going there, which is, you know, something that's really incredible. And so you want to sell that um, in a right. visual sort of way to these guys. And so, what has uh, what has social media done to that to that role? I mean, you got all these kids on Instagram and all these places now. Yeah, it's pretty incredible. I mean, you're, it's. It, you're you're kind of in front of their eyes a lot um so you know you it's it's now you've got you got the schools going back and forth but you kind of have the uh the recruiting designers it's kind of like a little battle between us all it's like who can you know yeah trump the next guy with the uh, graphics so it can pop up on instagram and then it's it's about it's it's kind of with anything else with social media it's about the hits man you want the uh recruits tweeting it and you know putting it out there and getting the buzz and you know the buzz turns into you know media talking about stuff and things like that so it's it's you know just the the way of social media but you know you just want to be out there and uh you want to be the buzz in a positive way right now are you are you able to come up with your own sort of projects as it regards to creating for football or are these things like the the nfl jersey swaps and stuff like that is that sort of brainstormed by like a team of of people it's kind of on me. Uh, we have a crew of people and, you know, we'll bounce some ideas off each other. But um, a lot of the times it's, it's I know what we need to do. And then so it mm-hmm. kind of just, you know, it falls on me to kind of figure out a way to execute it. So, I mean, sometimes it's specific. Sometimes it's, you know, here's what we need, you know, go with it. And then sometimes it's kind of just something I come up with completely on my own and present it. So it's it's kind of a three-headed monster when it comes to, you know, getting the work and executing it, getting it out there. Yeah. 
So is there, what, what's like some of the biggest sort of maybe like cool feedback or whatever that you've gotten from, from this stuff? Cause it's all like, everything's just so public now, you know, like the stuff's on Instagram, we're mm-hmm. seeing like sports center and bleacher report covering these types of things. Um, I think the draft this year was a big one. Uh, you know, it, I, I'm, I'm pretty humble. I just kind of just do the work and I get it done and I put it out. But then, uh, we did the, the Jersey swaps with the players sort of visualizing them, what they'd look like in the NFL. And then, uh, I turned it into this kind of painting style, you know. I mean, right. put a spin on there. Uh, I think it was uh, success as a work of art or something like that was at the top. And then, you know, like you said, uh, Bleacher Report picked up on it. Uh, College Spun put up one. I think a couple other outlets uh, did some stories on it. So it's kind of like, whoa, you know, when that, when that kind of stuff happens, it's just like, oh, man, you know, that's pretty exciting that, you know, it's not just recruits seeing it at that point. It's, it's uh you know, the general public is now starting to notice and they're starting to give positive feedback to the point where, you know, stories are being written and things like that. So, you know, I enjoy when that kind of thing happens. That's that's kind of my wow moment, really. Yeah. Well, and I think it's I think it's really cool for basically everybody. I mean, yourself included, but everybody in, in these types of positions that the ESPNs of the world are, are now covering this type of stuff. I mean, you mentioned Buddy Overstreet, and I think I saw him mm-hmm. on like an ESPN video talking about recruiting, how yeah. important design is to recruiting, which I thought was really interesting that that's something they would cover. Yeah, and uh, I think he was mentioned in an article two or three days ago, as a matter of fact. But uh, yeah, you know, you never really heard of it um, at all. And then I guess in the past, like, you know, year, six months or something like that, it's really kind of, it's starting to get out there. And it's just, it's interesting to see you know, this kind of stuff getting talked about, you know, because right. the designer never gets the love, you know, not that I'm out there to yeah. get it, but it's just weird. <laughs> it's it's crazy to see like, oh, wow, they are mentioning people by name. <laughs> yeah, see, that's that that's what I was surprised about the most, that that they are mentioning people by name now, because it used to be it was like, oh, here's a cool thing that, mm-hmm. you know, the Lakers did or whatever, and but you didn't know who did it. But now you got, <laughs> now people want to know who did it, which I think is awesome for us as designers, as the yeah, industry. It's, it's pretty incredible. So the, obviously Coach Saban doesn't need a whole lot of help recruiting, but just in general – since we're on that topic, how much would you say that design does play into recruiting for, for college football in general? Do, do you archive things from recruits, like when you have like an awesome recruit? And, and it, has there been, well, I guess you've been there for a little bit over a year now. I'm curious, is there going to be like a moment when the kids saw the stuff that you were making, then he comes to the school, and now there's like this sort of like, dude, you did that? That's awesome sort of scenario. You know, I haven't had that. I don't know. I, I, I'm, I'm still pretty new, so I, that may happen, but uh, it hasn't happened to me yet. It'll be pretty awesome if it does happen, though, the fact that they would remember that, you know. So how much, uh, is, I know with your photography background, are you actually shooting your own photos at Alabama, or do you guys, is there like an in-house photographer that you guys are working with? No, we have, uh, there's a there's a photography team on campus, and we have a really great uh Head of head of photography for athletics, and so um, so for like the photo shoot each year that we do with the athletes, uh, myself or you know depending on the sport, one of the other designers, or we'll uh, we'll kind of come up with some concepts and ideas that we want for that shoot, and uh, he'll execute the shoot, and we kind of we're we're there basically for creative direction at that point, right? Kind of just making sure we get what we need, but uh, he's really really good, so you know. I trust him and he, he gets the lighting right and he shoots it. 
you know, I just make sure the guys, for the most part, I, that they're posed right and, you know, they're not blinking. So from your, from your sort of own personal uh, design process, are you, do you have an idea when you go into these shoots or do you sort of let the photography guide you in a direction? Um, I try to think of composition or not composition, but uh, kind of what a, a composite could be. Mm-hmm. you know what a realistic environment could be in the shoot but um for the most part i'm just trying to get dynamic poses you know something that's kind of unique and you know not just a guy running down the field um i mean we get great action stuff during the game but uh you know just just some really good poses that i can just work with really is all i'm going into right for the shoot trying to get now, as far as like the the sort of taglines and and copywritten headlines, is that something that you also do yourself, or is there like a some of that come from like themes for the year or anything like that? Uh, I think it's most of it's kind of just on the fly, really. Uh, you know, you do the design uh, or you know whatever that theme of that particular design needs to be, and then you just kind of come up with something from there and. You know, whatever works. You, you kind of want a tagline that fits the style of the photo or the design, really. Like if it's got a kind of a grungy theme or a grungy look to it, you sort of want kind of like a hardcore title to it, you know, versus right. something that's kind of soft. So you all you want it to kind of tie together. But uh, you know, it, it's kind of something I'll come up with it, or I'll see something online that kind of sounds pretty good and I'll put a spin on it or I'll bounce it off uh, some coworkers or something like that. It's, so like that whole built by Bama thing, was that you that did that or was that something that's already? That was already in place. Uh, I think that was something that uh, Buddy came up with with uh, the marketing team prior to me being there. I believe, I could be wrong, but uh, I believe that's how it went. But that was kind that's of already in place. That's a very cool headline. <laughs> yeah, and it's, it's something that's really great to work with. You know, it lends itself to a lot of visuals, but it's just a, it's a strong uh, you know, slogan that goes with it, such a, you know, uh, popular brand. And, you know, it's, it's, it's an iconic brand with an iconic slogan. And so, you know, it works. Yeah. And, and I mean, conceptually, it's just so good. Like you're saying, I mean, it lends itself to a lot of visuals, but just like mm-hmm. the, the idea that these players are coming to Alabama and, and becoming built, uh, you know, and engineered, so to speak, to, to go to the NFL. It's, it's crazy. Mm-hmm. So I saw a photo on your blog that you took of A-Rod at the uh, Alabama-Texas A&M slaughter this past season. And uh, Mm -hmm. you you wrote something that I found quite interesting that that I myself sometimes forget. And that is that those of us that work in sports tend to get jaded or or numb with our surroundings. And all of us are around high caliber athletes, you know, even at, even at mid-major schools or wherever you're, you're around high caliber athletes, but, but some have the pleasure depending on your gig of being around celebrities. And, and in mm-hmm. your case, I mean, mega stars. So you capture a moment of Alex Rodriguez rubbernecking to watch your players at, at Alabama. And, mm-hmm. you know, you got a mega star like a rod who is, he almost appears, you almost capture him like he's a kid trying right. to watch his favorite players. Right. So as someone that's worked in the NFL and then now even an NFL breeding ground such as Alabama, how often do you get to slow down and reflect and sort of think about the people that you spend time with working in this uh, beautiful design job of making things for sport? Uh, never. I would have to slow down to be able to do that. <laughs> um, all the time. All the time. I had a friend of mine text me the other day and say he was working. Uh, I guess it's I guess it's Pee Wee football. It's something with his son. He's about eleven. Um, 
And Larry Fitzgerald is the guy running the camp. And I texted him back. I was like, man, that's awesome. And he texted me back. And he said, you're around us all the time. And I'm, I'm like, it doesn't matter if I'm around us all the time. These guys are stars. These guys are incredible athletes. And uh, I think, I don't, I, I kind of came across it a lot, uh, sort of, you know, in my athletic dealings. But I think the people that work in athletics, a lot of them kind of forget, you know, not everybody gets to do this. Um, yeah. Not everybody's around these guys, and it, it, it's special. You know, these guys can do things that we can't do. The general public holds them up on these pedestals because they're stars. Uh, you know, and you just have to think about that. And it's like my time in Atlanta. I blinked and it was over. And I'm, I tell my wife all the time, I'm like, can you believe we were in Atlanta? You know, we were in the NFL. You know, yeah. I met. Yeah, I met Jim Carrey while I was there. Uh, you know, <laughs> I still think that's one of the cooler things. But I became friends with some of the players, and it's still—it's just awesome. And I think it to keep the—you have to be a fan to keep the joy. I, I, I want to say the joy, but you know, you got to keep it fun. And I, I think the fact that these guys are stars, and you know, the, the guys here—they're—you know—they're young, they're, they're kids, but they're still phenomenal athletes. But like it goes back to that photo, you know, A Rod's on the sideline, and he's trying to look over body to watch the game. So even he—it's just a—it's just cool, you know. Yeah. Well, I think there's like a a, res, a respect that that people that get to do this. I mean, even for myself, and I know that you could probably empathize with this, uh, you know, having, looking at your alma mater, we sort of both kind of went to these mid-major type mm -hmm. schools, Yeah. but you, you have an, a, even a respect for the kids there, you know, like yeah, I look at the no kids doubt. at one of the coolest moments is when like the posters unveiled for like the, like Eastern Kentucky university's football team. Like these kids mm -hmm. don't get like the things that at like Ohio State or whatever, right? So it's it's really cool for me to be able to see that type of thing happen. So I know that you've kind of living in both worlds there now, where, you, where you've done that for the for those, and now you got the the big dogs with <laughs> with the with the stuff coming out. But it's it's cool to slow down and sort of think like this is you have a respect for the game almost even more, and and you almost you it it almost becomes hard to like hate other teams, I guess, is what I'm trying mm -hmm. to say. <laughs> yeah, and, it, you know, I'll sit there sometimes, even in the moment, and it'll kind of catch me. Uh, like, you know, Alabama's facilities, to me, I still walk through them, and I'm just like, my God, this is incredible. Or like when I yeah. was with the Falcons, and, you know, with they had a cafeteria, and we'd eat, and like Matt Ryan would walk through, and then, you know, four out of five times, I would just look up, and he'd walk through, and, and you know, move on. But then it was like, you know, you look up once, and you're like, man, that's literally Matt Ryan, <laughs> yeah. you know? Yeah. Uh, and then I was there when, you know, Tony Gonzalez was retiring. And so you kind of get, you start talking about it a little bit more. So it brings it into fruition. Like this is the greatest tight end to ever play in the NFL. And I'm here, you know, in this vicinity, in, in this time and moment with them. And uh, yeah. you know, my, my friends aren't, you know, you know, my family's not. And it's just, uh, it's just special. And I think you have to keep it, you know, in perspective like that, you know, yeah. you can't be it's sort jaded. of like the how did I get here moment, you know, like what, what yeah, happened? I still, I still, it's like I blink my eyes and I'm here. <laughs> it's like this podcast. It's like, why am I here? You just had, you know, <laughs> uh, the creative director from ESP magazine. What am I doing? <laughs> I just click button. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's, it's, it's good to, I think it's great to celebrate this stuff sometimes though, because you know, I mean, at the end of the day, we all know that we're not curing cancer with with the stuff that we're doing, right? But I think mm -hmm. if you can sort of provide through your visual talents some amount of joy or maybe the guy that just lost his job at a factory and, and he's going to be watching Alabama, right? Or that type of thing. Like there's like, mm -hmm. if you can help add to that experience, it's that's where I think our 
sort of quote calling is in terms of like what's our our mission kind of thing. Yeah, and I mean at the end of the day, it's sports. It's a uh, it's a it's a fun thing, you know. No matter how frustrating the job can be, you're you're playing in Photoshop for a sport that you love, you know. Right. I mean, what what really is any better than that? <laughs> yeah, and getting to experiment with stuff. Yeah, you're, whatever's in your head, you're putting it on the screen. You're clicking some buttons. It looks cool to use the uh, you know general phrase, and it's sports. Well, 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 sort of in the same vein of, of your post, you mentioned your son in your post. I know you just had, mm-hmm. a, had a kid a, a year or so ago. And yep. I'm curious, as a dad of, of two boys, how much does legacy play into what you do as a creative? You ever think about that? Uh, what do you mean? So I guess an example is, you know, if I design the posters at my alma mater for 30 years, I sort of stamped a legacy on that school. You know, a very small okay. legacy, but it's like yeah, I got you. kind of interesting. I think the legacy is a little bit there. Uh, it depends on what I'm designing. I think, you know, there's going to be a little bit of, you know, hopefully my son will say, you know, dad, my dad created that or my dad, the, the tickets or whatever. But uh, I think it, it goes back to what we were just talking about. I, I more want my son to grow up and experience this stuff. Uh, so yeah, from me being able to be around this and, you know, just, just doing what I do as a job, my son is going to have something that I would have only dreamed of when I was a kid. And he's going to be around these guys, you know, he's, he's going to be around this program and he's going to get to meet and, and, you know, meet, meet these guys and see these things and these events take place. And some of these magical, you know, SEC football games, uh, you know, God willing that I'm still here, uh, you know, so I think the work, is, it, it's got a little bit of a place for there. But for me, it's more, you know, my kids, my son is going to have more wow moments. Yeah, himself. like being in the environment. Yeah. Yeah. What, I, what I've learned to do and, uh, you know, been able to do for a living is going to provide my son with memories, which, you know, you can't, you can't replace that. So I think it's more about that for me at this point. Yeah. Um, you know, but it is going to be stuff like that. You know, it's going to be a poster on the wall. Oh, cool. Dad made that poster, you know? Yeah. I I totally, I mean, I can empathize with that though, because, um, you know, I, I had the opportunity to take my son to, uh, a, a basketball photo shoot, right? And mm-hmm. then so, like, he he didn't do anything. He played around, right? <laughs> I mean, which is the reality. But at the end, like, when when the poster was designed and all put together, um, I took him to the thing and we got it signed. And sort of, sort of like, I got to Instagram the post. Like, my son art directed this. This is his first art direction right, of right, like, the poster. Yeah, it's a, you know, it's, it's like great. those types of little things, which are which are cool. So, um, right, exactly. Well, to sort of uh, sort of start start wrapping up here. Um, you know, I'm, I'm curious, you've kind of done the entrepreneurial thing a little bit and, and then you've done the pro sports and, and now mm-hmm. the college sports. What's, what's the pinnacle? Like, what's the top of the mountain like 10, 20 years from now for, for you in this world, this niche? I think it's uh, sort of two answers. I think one, I've, I'm at it. I don't think that it gets any better than uh, being at Alabama. Alabama to me is the you know, even before I got here, it was sort of, you know, that's that's the peak. This is the best place that I can possibly do what I do for a team as good as it is with people that are as great and as driven as they are. Um, you know, I'm right. not, not to knock the NFL at all. It was fantastic. But I think for what I wanted to do, 
at the level, I, you know, college football is kind of where I wanted to be, I realized, and I, I think this is it. I'd love to do this here forever if I can. And I, I think the other answer is, is if I can't, I'd love to go back uh, for myself. And knowing what I know now, seeing just kind of test those waters as in another challenge, you know. But um, right. I think this is it, honestly. Uh, you know, I'm 33 years old, and I think I finally found it at the place I want to do it. So um, honestly, that's awesome, don't, man. I don't. I can't see myself wanting to go do anything else for anybody else, really, right now. Right. Very cool, man. Well, to to kind of wrap up here, what is there any last bit of advice that maybe you could give to somebody that's wanting to land that? possibly dream gig at a, at a large college athletic program or even like a professional sports team like in the NFL? I would say do as much work as you can. Do it the best you can. I would say if you need to copy somebody's work, don't post it. But, I mean, use somebody's work as inspiration and uh, try to figure out the techniques that they use to execute something that you find, you know, is really, really draws you in. Post as much of your personal work as you can. Once you get it refined, don't be afraid to to reach out to people. I did it. You'll be surprised how many people will email you back. Some people will not, but some people will, and listen to what they have to say. And uh, you know, we we touched on it earlier. It is a small circle, so be careful what you say to people about other people. <laughs> it will right. get back to them. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, that's it. Just be kind. Be kind and, yep. and try hard. Do your best. Cool, man. Well, good uh, good advice. Who's uh, who's probably one of your biggest inspirations as far as outside of sport? I know photo manipulation, like The Hedge and, and those types of guys. Oh, that's a good question. Um, I'm always really drawn into I, not so much his current work, but the, the previous work of uh, Dave Hill, the photographer. He was really a big composite photographer, so I'm really drawn into his stuff. Uh, he would shoot for the composite. It's actually an incredible thing. Uh, Gary Land, photographer. I'm not really sure what he's based out of, but uh, some really, really incredible photo work there. Kind of would just basically hand itself over for just a text treatment and the design will be done. Um, I'm just going to name photographers here. Uh, There's a lot of designers in sports I could probably name, but uh, Blair Bunting is a a photographer I really, really like a lot. Uh, Jonathan Mannion, big hip-hop photographer i'd say those guys Mm -hmm. i look at that kind of stuff a lot um when i'm not looking at you know (laughs) nike.com yeah (laughs) yeah i look at a lot of nike so you know yeah they're they're the pinnacle (laughs) well i'll uh, for you listeners i'll grab some some links and throw those in the show notes matt where can listeners support you online and reach out to you twitter website that type of thing um MattLang.com is my website. Uh, it really needs severe updating. Um, my Twitter is Matt J. Lang, M-A-T-T-J-L-A-N-G-E. It's probably the easiest way to get in touch with me. Very cool, man. Well, I appreciate you coming aboard the show. Yeah, no problem, man. It was fun. Awesome. My next guests are going to be the partners of Doubleday and Cartwright, which is a New York City creative agency focused on clients intersecting in sports and culture. Now, you may know this group as the folks behind the recent Milwaukee Bucks rebranding, but they're also known for animations and ESPN's 30 for 30 documentaries, as well as No Moss, which is a New York sports-related merchandise company. And then uh, the Victory Journal, Journal, which is a print publication focused on sports and culture. So should be a good time talking to those guys. 
Big thanks again to my guest today, Matt Lang, for giving us some of his time. Again, as he mentioned, you can follow him on Twitter at Matt J. Lang. That's Lang with an E. A couple of things real quick. If you missed the last halftime episode, I discussed the topic of gaining authority in client work, sort of exerting yourself as the authority and knowledge and skill in design. Uh, many designers, as far as freelancers are concerned, tend to be yes people. And this halftime episode gives you some strategies as a freelancer to gain respectful authority in conversations with your clients. That's at makersofsport.com slash episodes. Lastly, please take one to two minutes and head over to makersofsport.com slash iTunes. Hit the five star and write about your experience with the show. If you've gotten value from myself, Matt, or any of the guests on the show, then please share the podcast and rate the content so that others can discover that value for themselves as well. As always, I'll accept likes, ratings, or reviews on Stitcher, SoundCloud, or whichever application you happen to be listening to right now. I'm at T. Adam Martin on Twitter and Dribble. The show is at Makers of Sport. Until next time, have a good week.